all the odds would say Jay-Z should not be the man he is today. Born in one of the toughest parts of Brooklyn, raised without a father, selling crack by the time he was 13. If you came from the Marcy Projects where Jay-Z grew up and you were a young male, there was a very good chance that you could end up in jail or dead. But Jay-Z was different. By the time he was 26, he had his own record label. And now, in his 40s, he's a music icon, a hip-hop legend, and a self-made man. He started his own entertainment company, his own clothing line, founded a scholarship fund, married Beyonce, and has a net worth of over $150 million. But his material success isn't actually the most impressive thing about him. It is, I believe, that he was able to transcend his environment and became someone who truly believes in himself and inspires others to do the same. Everybody has a story, and there is something to be learned from every experience. Use your life as a class. This is Masterclass with Jay-Z. I think excellence is being able to perform at a high level over and over again. You can hit a half-court shot once. That's just the luck of the draw. If you consistently do it through 11 championships like Bill Russell, then, you know, that's excellence. Having success for a year or two, that's being hot. We call that hot. That's being in demand for a short span of time. Excellence is being able to perform at a high level for a long period of time. In a genre of music where it's almost microwave and your career is almost like in dog years, right? You last three years in hip-hop, you're fantastic. You know, you last five years, it's like, wow, it's amazing. But if you last through a decade and beyond, you know, it's almost unheard of. In my genre of music, I believe that I've achieved excellence. Creating this poetry, it came easy to me. I didn't recognize it as a gift early on, so I just toyed with it. I would just sit at the table and bang on the table and, you know, write these rhymes all, all day long. I remember this one. It's pretty good. <laughs> it was almost like uh, foretelling um, what would happen. I was, I'm the king of hip-hop, renewed like the Reebok, the key in the lock with words so provocative. As long as I live, I've been up. I used to rap really fast. Like, I toyed with these different styles. We would make these triplets, like, but put words in them. I had ability to speak about situations and emotions and feelings that we were going through. When I say we, myself and my small circle of friends. That's really how I started writing music. I really wrote music for this 10 group of guys who was going through the same thing, and I wrote about our experiences, the thing we had just done the day before, the week before, and I would write it, and they would go, oh my goodness, this is, that's just what I was feeling. When I'm writing, my goal is to find that truth for whatever I'm going through and try to tap into that. Staying true to yourself as you grow and as you mature, to find that truth and in that and not being afraid of it. You know, I got a million friends and I'm writing for them. Wherever you grow up, it's your root, right? It's everything you are. I'm a kid from Marcy Projects from Brooklyn, so it made me exactly who I am. Everyone has to find themselves growing up and however far off track you go is pretty much dependent upon 
the environment that you, you grew up in and what you had to do or what you felt you had to do to survive. Growing up, you don't really understand the dangerous environment in which you live until you go outside of it. So for me, you, you know, it just was typical, it was normal. The ice cream man would come around, we open up the Johnny pump and spray water on each other. We play basketball for the entire day, chase little girls around, and it was just, you know, a typical neighborhood. It was just a beautiful place to grow up. Sometimes it turned really dark. Sometimes on Sunday at 11 o'clock, there'll be young guys running through the projects with Uzi machine guns and shooting, and you would have to run into your building. In 15 minutes, when they're gone, you come back out and finish playing. It built my character. It built my resolve. It built my strength. It developed a certain paranoia and taught you these values and taught you integrity and taught you honesty. It taught you toughness as well because you needed that to survive. It was a brilliant upbringing. My mom, a beautiful, strong woman, for some strange reason allowed me this long leash and allowed me to roam and to learn a lot of things on, on my own. I guess that comes from knowing your kid, you know, and knowing the things that your kid can handle. You gave me this long leash and I learned so much and she was always there to pull it back if I went a little too far and uh, gave me one of the most important lessons in life. The work that you put into something is what you get out of it. She made that statement to me rather young and I really took that to heart. You know, the work that you put in is what you get out. Almost cost me my rap career, but I won't hold that against her because I didn't view the hours that I sat at the table as working hard. It was something I loved to do, so it didn't come hard to me, so I figured there was nothing would come out of it because of what she said. She didn't really mean it like that. <laughs> I can't actually remember the first time I rapped for her because I would perform so much every single day in the kitchen that she would say, go outside or go to sleep or go play basketball again or do something. You know, I would, I would write these rhymes. It got, I got to a point in my life where even going outside and playing basketball wasn't as important. It just became part of our lives. Jay-Z started with an intention to reach an audience that he knew he could speak to. That's what I think he tapped into, the intention to speak to an audience. He had a dream, he discovered his talent, he found his audience. Even being turned down from a record deal didn't stop him, it propelled him. I had a really outside dream of being a millionaire by the time I was 30 years old. I actually calculated what it would take and all these different things, and I had no idea, I had no plan of how I was gonna arrive at this point other than this very distant outside chance of being a basketball player, which was very far, because I, I never played any organized sports. I never like really played on the team. Back then, that opportunity was very limited because rap wasn't what it is today. And my small circle of friends would say these stories, right, these short stories. So it was a, a hobby for everybody at then. I remember the first time seeing Sugar Hill on Soul Train. I was like, what are they doing on there? It was like shocking to me, like why are they on TV like for doing that? My mom bought me my first boom box and my mom's friend bought me my first notebook. It was like this, this makeshift notebook of papers with no line. It was a green book with uh, 
these little pins that you bend down on each side. And when I first started making music, that's when I first realized that I was tapping into an emotion and I knew there was small pockets of people all across the country that I spoke to directly, but I didn't have the vehicle to get to them. You know, I didn't have a record label at the time, so I tried to get a, a record deal and I couldn't get a record deal. The record company would be my bridge to them and they didn't give me that bridge. So it was a very important part of my career that we didn't give up right there, that belief in myself and belief that I had something to offer. So we built our own bridge and you know, I started my own record company. Jay didn't have a master plan, but he has helped define a culture that has impacted not just millions of kids, but has been able to dominate a generation. So I think that his ability to affect millions of people throughout the world and to do that in such a way that it is done with intention and clarity and purpose makes him a master. There was a um, time when I realized that I got this. I go into this record store to do a signing. He was in Virginia, I remember. You know, it's no big deal. There's no security. There's no big entourage. It's just going to work. And I start signing autographs, and I notice I'm signing autographs for a while. And I'm like, man, I've been here for a minute, man. How many people are here? And I try to leave the store when it was over, and there was a mob of people outside, a mob that we can't get outside. Guys in the store tell us we have to go back in the store. We wait for police to clear a path to the car. And we're going to run through the path and get in the car and pull off. And as we ran through the path, halfway through, the, the crowd collapsed. And we had to go back in, and they had to open it again. And I knew then that everything had changed that moment. The power of words, is, it, was, it was everything for me, right? Music and this culture of hip hop, you know, changed the direction of my life and my family and my friends and everybody around me. It helped me to deal with my emotions and things that I was going through, you know, found their self in my music all the time. And then those words connected with people. So maybe I've helped other people through trying times and other people who grew up without their father and other people who felt this paranoia about hustling or what they felt they had to do and it was everything. I'm fortunate to have a great relationship with my fans where people see me for the most part and they feel as if they know me. They've grown up with my music and they've Listen to what I've had to say, and some of it rang really true with them and connected to them in a way that they feel like they know me. So when I see people in the street or I see people out and about, people, most people are like, hey, Jay, what's up? It's almost like a, a conversation between old friends. It's really cool, which is great. I couldn't ask for anything more. Music is music. We just all use different instruments. In the hip-hop, we use our voice as our uh, main instrument. But it's, it's all music. And every chance that I get, I've tried to cross genres, whether it be making songs with Chris Martin or Linkin Park or Lenny Kravitz or whomever. The most important thing about collaborations is you maintain a sense of yourself. You don't get in there and try to do what they do, and they try to do what you do. 
I think you bring the best of what you do to the table, they bring the best of what they do to the table, and it makes for some interesting music. It's cool to bring those energies together, because at the end of the day, again, we're all artists. I'm really a student of music, so at the same time I'm making this music, I'm learning of their experience and what they think and what they believe. Flow is just becoming one with the music. You find some place inside the music that you tuck in and you don't get in the way of the groove. You insert yourself in the song as an instrument. You're just part of the track. You're no different than the horn or the snare or the bass or the hi-hat. You found the place in that track to tuck in and you, you just don't disturb the, the groove where it's just smooth and it just flows. I love having that experience. So many people are afraid of failure, but what I've learned is that failure is a great teacher. And if you're open to it, every mistake has a lesson to offer. I've learned more from failures than success. It can be paralyzing to some failure and the fear of it. My first album I made was an album called Reasonable Doubt, which in small circles was considered the album like a classic album, like the album for that generation and the voice of people that were going through similar situations. But it didn't sell massive numbers worldwide, right? It was still very niche. Then my second album, because of, you know, Reasonable Doubt and its lack of commercial success, I tried to make these records that were bigger and uh, will be more popular, which was a failure. Going for that success really messed up that project and you know, set a bad tone. It was a huge learning lesson for me that if I was gonna be successful, I had to be successful with myself. I couldn't be successful doing what other people were doing. I had to do what I believed in and what felt real to me and felt true to me. Because the worst thing to be is as successful as someone else. You know, that's a very difficult thing to upkeep and it's very tiring. You know, I, f I feel sorry for someone who has to walk out the house every day as someone else to make this art and to make something that people connect to. And whatever you've made is not you. You're not happy about it, but it's successful. Just to maintain that level of success, it has to be very draining and, you know, a very sad existence because at some point you have to go home. And when you go home, it, all the lights are off and all, everything's off and you have to look in the mirror and you have to look at yourself and say, man, I like who I am or I'm not very happy with who I am. By my third album, I had the combination of failing with those pop records and the true and real music that I wanted to make. And I blended those two together and I made a song called Hard Knock Life. And that album was when I knew that I can do it. You can have success. We've seen that a million times. To maintain success is another thing. There's fear in being successful, too. You're successful doing one thing. You tend to say, I want to stay here. I don't want to move. I don't want to take a chance and do anything else because uh, this works. I don't know how you learn from success. I haven't figured that part out. A lot of times you're flying at uh, 50,000 feet. You need someone to always keep you grounded. I have great friends around me who I don't shun their advice, you know, I encourage their advice, which I think is very important. 
you can live in your own alternative universe with how people treat celebrity these days. But, you know, as long as you keep uh, good friends around you and also not putting yourself in the box and becoming a prisoner of your fame. A lot of people, once they become famous, they stop doing things that they did. They don't go to the store. Or you become a prisoner of your fame. And I've always been aware and uh, cognizant of that, not to let that allow that to happen to me. From the beginning, I always looked at myself as an outsider to the industry in a way. You know, I started my own record company. I wasn't signed to a major. So I was always outside of, you know, the cool club. I was in it, but I was observing it at the same time. So I've always viewed it with a certain caution. We live in a world where it seems a lot of people are chasing fame. It is definitely a trip, unlike any other. And when it happens, you feel it, and everybody around you feels it. And if you don't know who you are, here's what I believe. If you don't know who you are before fame hits, you will definitely end up losing yourself and all of the other opinions around you. And I think that's why Jay-Z has stayed on top for so long, because he is not defined by anyone other than himself. He sets the trend. He doesn't follow it. I just shot a, I shot a commercial when this album that came out, and it was like going back through times, through all my album covers, and, uh, you know, I had to recreate them. And I realized how easy it was to recreate. I had the same haircut and the same thing in every single shot. So I don't know if I've been great at reinventing myself, but um, as far as the company, we have the opportunity to reinvent ourselves out of necessity of everything that's going on. You have to reinvent yourself. The playing field has changed. It's difficult in the music business because of the internet and everything that's going on. But if you're fearless, it's a beautiful time for entrepreneurs. The most fun I had in the music business was us having this little rinky-dink record company and, you know, going up in radio stations and, you know, other places as if we were uh, universal, you know, and speaking as if we, you know, we sold 100 million records when we, in fact, we sold nothing. So it feels like that time again for me because the models have to be redefined, and that's exciting to me. I don't know if you ever done, right? It's almost like climbing a mountain, and you see another mountain, and you go to the next one and the next one. My goal was to have one gold album, and that was it. It became more from there, and all the way up until the Black Album, then it became, I want to show that, you know, artists can ascend to the executive ranks. You know, it just kept redefining itself, you know, and which is why I took the presidency of Dev Jam. It just keeps reinventing itself and redefining itself every single day. I look to Muhammad Ali for one, not because he was a great champion, which he was, but because he had the strength to stand up and say, I'm beautiful, I'm pretty, look at me, at a time where our people were considered not beautiful and looked upon as ugly and frowned upon. But he stood in that ring and said, I'm beautiful, I'm the greatest. He not only said that for him, he said that for our culture and our generations. So he would have to stand to be number one. That goes with beyond saying. Martin Luther King, of course. Malcolm X as well, his strength. And also Michael Jordan because of his will to win and his passion for what he did and how he gave his all to what he loved. I would love to affect culture in such a way that you're remembered like that. 
the thing about life is just as simple as a guy walking to a wall and uh, writing graffiti on the wall. You leave your name here, so long after you're gone, people, they're looking at your name like, this guy stood for that, he meant that to us, and he did this for us. The same way I look to these guys, and I borrow a little bit from their fearlessness and you know their strength and their you know will. I think any relationship inspires creativity, especially when it's a great relationship. The people around you inspire you in certain ways, be it something they've done or be it something they've said. So I think any good relationship inspires you. Well, sometimes bad relationships create great art. You know, in the case of Marvin Gaye and uh, Usher's Confessions album, and I guess Justin's uh, Cry Me a River, you know, came out of bad relationships. I guess relationships in general inspire music, be it good or bad. My pain, your entertainment. <laughs> I was outside of my mother's house and, you know, running the streets when I was uh, 15, 16 years old. Being a man that was following up, if you said you would do something, you did it. Having some type of integrity. And at that age, being tough, you know, and not being taken advantage of because it was a harsh world out there and you had to, you had to be tough. But now, a lot of those things like being tough and all that, the line is blurred on that. It comes with maturity and it comes with knowing who you are as a person. It's not the bravado and it's not putting on a show for anybody. It's more about knowing who you are and knowing that you don't have to react to every little thing. Because those things mostly uh, spawn out of uh, insecurity. You feel you have to, almost like a peacock, right? Or you have to put up these things so people back away, but I don't mean, that doesn't make you tough, right? You can have a, a tough exterior and not be the toughest guy. A lot of times that happens but being a man of your word and having integrity and having honor and taking care of your family. Still, those things are in place. Jay-Z's father left home when he was 11. You can only truly understand what that means if you were an 11-year-old boy and looked up to your father and suddenly he's gone and no explanation as to why. The sense of loneliness, anger, abandonment, and rage at being left to figure out for yourself what it means to be a man. For the most part, you learn how to, to be a man from your dad, right? He, he teach you certain things. And as a kid, your dad is your hero, right? There's no one stronger or tougher or, or meaner or, or whatever, you know, stronger than your dad. My pop, you know, I have memories of him when I was a kid. And all the, the middle pieces of my life, he was missing. For me, that took my entire life to resolve. It didn't take till the year he died for me to really let that go. So imagine, right? So from you know, 12 years old till I was 35, six, holding on to that anger and you know having to deal with that, and that affecting my relationships further, right? Because once you felt that type of pain, you don't ever want to let anyone that close because you don't ever want to experience that sort of pain again. It's the worst sort of pain. The person that you love is no longer in your life anymore, so you don't want anyone to ever get that close again. Once me and my uh, pop, you know, before he passed away, you know, had a conversation, 
and I was able to tell him everything that I felt and everything that was on my mind, I was able to let that, all those feelings go. Like, really, like, the, the weirdest thing. I mean, and it was so perfect how it happened. Not perfect that he, in, in, in the sense that he's not here anymore, but had he passed, you know, before I got a chance to have that conversation with him, who knows how it would be emotionally still. So, you know, some kind of way, some kind of way I got to have that conversation with him after 25 years or whatever, and, and he passed a month later. The latter part of my life, the feeling that I, when I think about him, is more freeing than sadness. Hip-hop is a force in the world. I realized that over 20 years ago when the Pillsbury Doughboy jumped off the can and started rapping. Hip-hop, like all art, holds up a mirror to society and shows us who we are and how we are evolving. It provides a voice for people who might not otherwise have their voices heard. Jay-Z is holding up a mirror for a lot of people. And what I realize is that it doesn't matter whether I agree or you agree with every message. It reflects what many people are thinking and feeling. And that's why we all need to pay attention to what he has to say. I have a very interesting take on the cultural impact of hip hop, and it's a strong one, you know, so I just want to prepare people for that at home. I think that hip hop has done more for racial relations than most cultural icons, and, and, and I say save Martin Luther King because his dream speech we realized when President Obama got elected. But the impact of the music, you know, this music didn't only influence kids from urban areas, it influenced people all around the world. People listened to this music all around the world and took to this music. And racism is taught in the home. I truly believe that racism is taught when you're young. So it's very difficult to teach racism when your kid looks up the Snoop Doggy Dog. And if you look at clubs and how integrated they had become, before, people partied in separate clubs. There were hip-hop clubs and there were techno clubs, and now people party together. And, and once you have people partying, dancing, and singing along to the same music, then conversations naturally happen after that, right? And then within conversations that we, we all realize that we're more alike than we're separate. I think what hip-hop has to do is become the voice of a generation be it a younger generation or older generation. In order for hip-hop to survive, we have to expand the genre because hip-hop was always viewed as a young man's game. So a lot of time, guys, when they became 30 years old, they're still trying to make records like they're 15 because that's where the white hot spot was, you know, where you, know, you were relevant and where records sold. But now, as we become a legitimate genre of music and if we're going to last this test of time, we can't be considered as a niche uh, genre of music. It has to be a music that's centered around something, right? Something, some type of truth and some type of emotion and some type of revolution or some type of love. The next generation of artists will determine whether it will extend beyond and just become music. The point that impressed me the most about this masterclass was when Jay-Z spoke about learning from his failures and no longer chasing after success, but following his truth. And in doing that, he's become one of the most successful people in the country. And that's a lesson for all of us. Find your own truth 
and follow it. I believe that there's one God. I don't knock anyone's religion because, you know, if, however you find God, that's a fantastic thing. But I think religion has done more to separate people than bring them together. I think the people that are reading the Quran and people that are reading the Bible are really reading about the same person. When I think we're all praying to one God. I don't know how else to explain this sunset and how if I get a cut, you know, a scab forms and how my body is like this uh, computer that reacts to movement, how my eyebrows is uh, made to keep sweat from going in my eyes and how everything works so perfectly. No one can tell me that two planets crashed and these things happen. It's very hard for me to believe that. I believe that everything that happens in life is there to build character, to be learned from, is some type of energy returning back to you. Everything that I've based my life upon, you know, has worked out that way for the most part. But I don't know. One day, um, my nephew passed away in a car crash. I really can't figure out that day. He's a young kid, like a beautiful kid, just most beautiful, respectful kid. And I can't really apply that to anything. And I believe that things happen for a reason, but I can't apply that against anything. That's just the way of the world, and that's how it is. I think the most important lesson for me would be just be true to yourself. You know, it sounds like a, a very simple thing to do, but it's not. It's not simple to do with all the pressures to succeed and all the pressures to, once you succeed, to stay there. You have a belief in yourself, and, some, and sometimes, in most cases, it's almost a naivete about who you are and what you can contribute to the game wrapping my friend's story and our stories together and taking it beyond the level of this is what we did, but this is what we felt while we were doing this, and this is how it affected us, and this is why we was doing what we thought we had to do at the time. I'm trying to find that truth and trying to tap into something really important as well as have fun. It's not always like, you know, this responsibility of trying to be great every second. Sometimes I just want to be silly. Sometimes I just want to be wrong. Sometimes I want to be provocative, you know, 99 problems, you know, I want to push buttons. Belief in oneself and knowing who you are, I mean, that's the foundation of everything great. Yeah, I used to have a nightmare when I was young all the time about running away and never being able to quite get away. I don't have that dream anymore. This is what I think we can all learn from him. When the odds are against you and you have the depth of clarity to listen to your own instincts and follow what is true for you, you may not become a Jay-Z, but you will become the best that you can be. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Masterclass, the podcast. You can follow Masterclass on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Masterclass podcast.